Hi, we're just two women living our day-to-day lives, being farm wives, surviving and thriving in this amazing state of Nebraska. Handling the hourly weather changes, wind, and amazing beauty of this great state. We're here to share more on the aspects of agriculture that we see and live every day on our operations. Join us and listen to our adventures as we navigate our new lives of being farm wives in Nebraska. It truly is the good life, but have we mentioned it's not for everyone? Okay, I'm super excited about this one. Me too. When So you actually brought this up to me and I was like, why did I not think of this? Like, this is on my heart. I don't know. That ain't the right way to put it. Like, but feeling the passion for it. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was like staring at my sourdough starter that I'm trying to make. <laughs> I have like three of them right now in various stages. It's fine. Um, and I was like, this is perfect. We should talk about this. So we're going to talk about, we're just going to call it homesteading. I feel like that is like the general term that I'm like seeing these days. So yeah, yeah, just really, I don't know how to describe it. It's not a new trend, but it's really just like old traditions coming back. Um, And so I'm excited to like, just see what you guys are doing um, and like why you're doing it. So it's going to be cool. Yes, I agree. And kind of like you said, it's not a new trend. Like this is the way that probably most of our grandparents, great grandparents, mm-hmm. ancestors back did stuff. Like it's yeah. just kind of coming to light. And I really started looking at stuff like after I was out of college, mm-hmm. um, had kids that kind of like sparked it. But let's be honest, um, I'll be really open, which I'm sorry, I hate bringing up the whole pandemic, but like that opened the eyes, I think, of a lot of people. And after that, that's kind of what started this. Like, let's be real. Like, people want to know where stuff is, they don't want shortages. Um, Transparency. There's just a lot of feels from all of that. So, and I think kind of um, we talked about it a little bit with like just between me and you some of it like it's health like people want a health change and yeah yeah that's definitely kind of why I looked into some of this stuff I feel like it becomes a combination of both like you kind of start out because you're like okay like what can I do on my own that would either like relieve a financial burden that would just make me feel better about like the transparency of where I'm getting like my goods from and then it becomes like a health thing too like oh, these are the things that I'm putting into my food. Again, like just controlling the things that we can control, like ingredients, just knowing what's out there. So yeah, it's been very interesting. Yes, it has. And I love seeing other people's like viewpoints and what they're doing and the research they find of like, do it this way, do it that way. Like I love, I love seeing all of it. So share with us all of your like natural homesteading ideas. (laughs) I am so new to this and not very good at it. So you'll have to bear with me, but I feel like I'm diving into it. So I feel like there's like different like topics of it, of like different things that I'm seeing. So we'll just like go through all of them. But one of them that I've been seeing is milk. Um, So this has just been interesting to me because I have had 
and like walk through like dairy intolerance. And so like trying to figure out what that looks like, if I'm actually lactose intolerant, if it's just because I've been eating like or drinking like synthetic milks, like the almond milks and everything like that, which technically don't have dairy, but like still aren't fueling me in a good way. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of options for milk. Goat's milk is a thing. I've done like a food sensitivity test that says that goat's milk doesn't cause any of that for me. So we've looked into that option. Um, I have friends who have gone like the full raw milk way. So I think that that's what you do as well. So you have to like kind of tell us more about why you're doing that. Yeah. So I started um, kind of a little bit because of kids. Like that sounds... um, mainly I did the goat milk research a little bit too on like that's the closest thing to like human breast milk for digestion so that's how my research started um I was suggested that when I couldn't find formula couldn't have a baby that would take formula um wasn't really able to feed my kid enough like it was just a whole rabbit hole that I went down and then kind of got to the age where like okay like my kid could have whole milk start on dairy okay so we mustered through that and ended up that we're just going to talk about all like bodily functions here um (laughs) it was that my kid was constipated. And I honestly did not know what to do. So there again, went down the rabbit hole and ended up, we changed to raw milk. And I don't want to say like completely. I still go to the grocery store. Believe me, there will be weeks I will go through five gallons of milk milk. from the grocery store and raw milk. And, but I kind of switched just enough of like, a quarter raw milk to if they're getting like a cup of it, you know, Mm -hmm. a quarter to three fourths of the pasteurized milk. And guess what? It solved our problems. And I've noticed there has been a lot less like mucus production from my kids when we have raw milk versus like ultra processed or ultra pasteurized milk. And so went down that whole researching and a lot of the times people are like, I'm lactose intolerant. Well, it actually so happens that the, the like enzymes and things like that, that break down the lactose when it's pasteurized and sold in stores as pasteurized, it breaks those enzymes down that help our body break that lactose down. So, really, if you are lactose intolerant, I mean, you can't just dive in, but like, don't don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that anytime, even if you aren't lactose intolerant. Like, yeah, you have to start slow. Like, and I'm not kidding, like, eighth of a cup a day, fourth of a cup a day, you know, like, you have to stretch this out. You can't just like full on. Your body is not used to it. You're not not. consuming anything like it otherwise. So yeah, don't jump right in. That was just, that was a warning that I got. I haven't, we haven't even tried it, but that was one of the first things I heard was just don't go full in. 
Yeah, that definitely not a good idea. But um, so I know there's been a lot of people that have kind of researched that and seen like if it's right for their body. And Mm -hmm. milk is a very nutritional food. Like it is like a power food. It has so many nutritional, you know, nutrients and value to it that um, it's really great to consume and consume often. So that yeah. is completely off from a lot of what we've heard from a lot of other people. Like the fads and the trends are avoid dairy. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of. It seems super. People go to right away. Yeah. It seems like the easy fix ish to cut out dairy because like there's a lot of alternatives now. And it seems like to me, it felt super counterintuitive to go from like no dairy to like the most raw form of it and so yeah I'll be interested to see like what we do and how if so like how my body reacts to that so it'll yeah. just be interesting it will I know it's crazy just to kind of see everybody's stories with it and see what it can or maybe potentially can't do for people I will say that of anybody that I know that has switched to raw milk I haven't heard any bad stories other than if they did it too quickly <laughs> So yes. I've heard I, like positive results, which is I have always... two. I have two from a lot of other people. So yeah. Well, should we approach the yeah. next topic of beef? Yes. Yeah, this one is like it's gonna be up in your wheelhouse most of all. Um, I hope that you plug your business a little bit just because um that's definitely where you will shine, but for us, this has been super easy just because Travis has had contacts like since college um, for local beef. Um, but knowing just like where your money goes, knowing where the food you're com- like that you're consuming comes from, um, there's just a lot of information around like what's in the beef that you're actually consuming. So um, we plug this just because it's been easy for us and we love to support the people around us. So um, beef is definitely one where you should be able to find someone local to get this. Um, it's going to save you money. It's going to save, like, it's going to help like those local producers. So yeah. What more do you have on that? Well, I will add that this really is kind of a rising idea of a lot of farmers because we're finding just like anything, people want to know where their food is coming from. And so, Within the last nine months, we started selling our own home-raised beef um, direct-to-consumer. So I do local orders, I do delivery, and I ship to all 50 states. So if you can't find anyone local um, or want to kind of know where it's coming from and get more of a backstory, check out my direct-to-consumer beef business. Um. You have an Instagram, right? You should just shout it out right now. Okay. So I'm on Instagram. You can follow me 2383farms dot or yeah, 2383 farms on Instagram and Facebook. Otherwise, you can look me up like our website on it's 2383farms.com. So cool. Anyway, but it was just kind of something for us that like People didn't know that 
the meat came from anywhere else than the grocery store. And I feel like if you don't speak up and you don't educate people on that, people aren't going to learn. And so I have just found that it's amazing what people truly don't know. So I actually looked up this because I've heard a lot of different types of kind of studies and stuff. But in this study, they asked a big group of people how many cows they thought were ground up and made into one hamburger patty. So like, that's not really a good way to explain it. So like, in one hamburger patty, how many different cows were... How many different sources is it coming from? More or less. Like, because in yeah. big processing plants, you they run a huge line all day long, and mm-hmm. it all just gets ground up together. So, in this, there are anywhere from 100 to over 1,000 different cows in one patty. So they DNA tested a hamburger patty and found over a thousand different animal, like not animals, different cows in one patty. Okay. Only in this study, only 10% of those consumers actually answered that they believed it was over a hundred different cows. Otherwise, 90% of them thought that there was less than 100 cows in one patty, and 29% of those people thought it was from only one cow. So, you can get hamburger patties from one cow. Buy it from the farmer. You, when, so in our business, we take one animal, we get it processed, and it comes from that one animal. You are not grinding it together. You know that it's going to be a top quality, a prime cut. You know where it's coming from, how they were raised, what they're eating, where their feed's coming from. Yep. You you know all of that when you buy it from the farmer. So if you're looking into it, there are tons of, I'm sure, different arguments you can do for grain finish, grass fed. But do what's right for your family. Do what's right for really what you have, like, money for. And do your research. If if there is a producer and a farmer who you mesh well with their story or you find that their story is great, how they raise them, how they talk to you, go with them. Like, there's, there's tons of options. But let me say, 2383 Farms. Hit me up because we got dang good beef. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that what you said too with this, like do what's best for your family. Like if you're at the grocery store on a Tuesday night and you need to grab like beef that's already thawed and that's what's convenient for you, like you're not destroying your health or the livelihood of your family by like choosing that one time. Um, It's not going to be a huge problem. It's just like these things that we can make you aware of and just hopefully like show you where the quality and everything is coming from of like not necessarily doing it yourself but other people are doing it themselves and so buying from them because you know all the things that Amanda just said and we can state like nutritional value between grocery store and from the farmer you are still going to get 
the same nutritional value from that, that beef. Like it is right. still nourishing your body. It's just the fact of like, what, how is it processed? Where was it processed? What was put into that animal? Yep. It's just some of those kind of things that you're not fully aware of. Um, I know there's a lot of arguments of like, it can state being processed or being raised in the U.S. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it was raised here. Like if it was processed here, then you can put that label on it. But there are now um, changes that are going to be made with that um, and you no longer can do that. So or it's in the process of trying to get that through. So um, it's going to be kind of a big thing. So anyway, yes, do what's best for your family in the long run. And it's not going to be terrible if, like you said, buy some in the grocery store some night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Okay. Next one is, like, interesting for us just because we don't do it because we cannot with, um, like, biosecurity reasons of having chickens. So um, that is a huge one right now. I think, I guess, it seems big. Um, just with the way that prices are at the store, but eggs. So a lot of people I know are like have their own chickens now. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I said, I don't know a ton about it because we aren't doing it ourselves, but I know like a lot of people near us do this, um, for a lot of the same reasons as like the beef, you know what you're getting, you know, where it's from, you're supporting local, um, it's cheaper right now probably than it is in the store even. It is so yeah. And so, I mean, I guess if that's how you say, like how you view, like how much it costs you to like raise chickens, but yeah. So there are a lot of advantages of it as well. Um, again, I would plug that we buy our eggs from a store because that's where we sell them to. So um, that's us. But again, controlling what you can control and just knowing that this is something that's an option uh, for some people, just especially in the country, just because you have the space to do so. Yeah. And there's people you're hearing all of these like backyard chickens, like even in town. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how that all works, but I can only imagine. Um, yeah. We are lucky enough. We have a neighbor that has chickens. We just get our eggs from them. But I really absolutely know nothing. So I'll be honest. Like I want no part in raising chickens. None whatsoever. So yeah. Sorry yeah, if he does. No, <laughs> we won't touch this one with like a 10 foot pole just because we cannot. So um I would say again, do your research, talk to the people around you. Um, if this is a good choice for your family, absolutely awesome. I know that chickens are pretty high maintenance. So if you have a neighbor, even better. Yeah, definitely, because I don't want to deal with them. <laughs> yes, literally. So, okay, the one I mentioned at the beginning was bread because I was like staring at these sourdough starters, um, just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. But so you took the deep dive of getting sourdough starters. Did you make it from like the start start or did you buy a starter? 
no i'm make like making it i'm trying to like grow my own so we're like talking flour and water so far yeah um, like transferring it and growing it so it was like this is recent recent in the last like couple weeks so i've been trying to like start one and it was growing and multiplying well but i think i messed with it too much and now i think it's dying so i restarted <laughs> one last night because i was like okay it's fine. I really want bread for Easter, like my own bread. So yeah. that's the goal. Uh, but I know it like plays a role like temperature wise, like everything. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I would say follow a guide, watch something on the internet. That's what I've done so far. Or buy a that. starter because I am not making mine from scratch. <laughs> that or like have a friend who is willing to give up weeks of their lives to get this thing right. So yeah, I would do that too. Cause then you just have to feed it and you can like store it for long periods of time. But I'm really trying to start from scratch here. So we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> happens over the next couple weeks. Uh, uh, it is something. You, but- I was gonna say you had mentioned a little bit. So your mom claimed that there was sourdough friendship bread starter yeah and definitely a thing because when I was younger my mom we always did that like for okay probably two or three years we always had one sitting on our counter and like it yeah it was good it was really good yeah and my mom is from not the country and so I was like okay this isn't just like a like a homesteader thing this is like something that people were just doing and now we've like gotten so far away from it again like ultra processed food just ingredients that you don't even recognize in your bread when the stuff that you make at home actually like literally the starter is two ingredients it's flour and water and then the ingredients okay this just like amazes me i have Okay, don't judge me on my housekeeping skills, but I had a loaf of bread sitting on my counter for two and a half months, and there was not a single stitch of mold on it. Like, okay, I threw it out. Like, I was not going to eat it, but really, like, that goes to show you how processed stuff is that for two and a half months, bread has not <laughs> grown. I think it could live in my fridge for like eight months, which is oh. just literally insane. So, yeah. Yes. So, and I'm sure with sourdough, I don't know to what extent, but you make homemade bread and within like two days, if it's not eaten, there is mold on it. And yeah. it just goes to show like it's not processed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like even the starter, you have to keep an eye on it because it will mold. Like it's active. It's like a yeast that you're creating. So it's yeah. just super fascinating. Like, and just the minimal amount of ingredients you actually need to even bake bread um, and how like you can control that. So I was like, I'm on board with this because again, like the whole thing is like avoid gluten. And I'm like, I don't think that gluten is the problem necessarily. I think yes. it's probably like the seed oils and everything else that is going alongside that. So a hundred percent. And that just leads into kind of the next little bit, kind of my, yeah. my idea of this. So like avoiding like the seed oils and so-called like PUFAs, like polyunsaturated fats. So that like butter versus margarine, um, lard versus canola oil, coconut oil versus any other seed oils, um, Mm -hmm. cook with animal fats. Like that sounds completely off of like what 
Yes. Our parents have been taught for years. It's like, no, avoid that. But I know so many people that will fry up their bacon in their pan and then cook their eggs in the bacon grease. And they're like, that is some of the best eggs I've ever had. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a natural fat. It's a natural product. And that's pretty much what you're going for. And um, I know a big one is like tallow, which comes from the beef. Lard comes from pigs. Um, So like you can naturally get some of that stuff. And if you get an animal processed or buy it from your farmers, like Mm -hmm. we have that stuff too. So yeah, this one has been super interesting to me just because I feel like we have been, like you mentioned, like our parents and us like sold on this idea of like, I think it's around like calories. Like we're like, oh, these Mm -hmm. like animal fats and everything like that are so high calorie. You should avoid, avoid, avoid. You should replace it with whatever, but it's, it comes at its own cost. So yeah, yeah, a lot lot of it, a lot of it was surrounded with it uh, higher, like increases cholesterol And it's not heart healthy. And that all kind of, I don't know, probably what, 20, 25 years ago started. And really probably in that like 15 to 20 years ago, really kind of like peaked. And Mm -hmm. people are realizing like that stuff is synthetic. It's not, it's not what is heart healthy. It's not good for you. So, and I'm not saying like canola oil is not synthetic, like it's truly, it comes from a plant, blah, blah, blah. But it's just kind of some of the, like you said, the seed oils. There's, yeah, it's just. Yeah. Tough. This has been, yeah, like a balance for me. Just like thinking about what you put inside your food or what you cook it in has been huge. Like just trying to like do coconut oil instead of like just a different oil or use olive oil instead of canola oil. So, yes. Um, yeah, it's it's a slow process, I think, too. Like, we're saying all these things, and I'll mention it at the end. Like, it's hard to jump into everything. I would say just, like, pick one thing and be good at it um, mm-hmm. and then move to something else, and that way you, like, feel confident in that. So I just feel- heard someone say the easiest, like, transition to make at the beginning is probably eggs because so many people have it. Like, go and get farm fresh eggs like that is probably a really good beginning point Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit more of like eating real food the other thing is like for years everybody was like avoid sugar don't don't eat sugars well if you're gonna eat sugar which like inevitably most you're going to is raw real sugar is Mm -hmm. your best bet like all these fake sugars are not good for your health so all of these sorry if you like like bubblers and all of those things I'm not a big person into those so like anyway but like those are just not great so um okay so moving on to gardening yeah, we've talked at length about gardening, what we feel about it, why we love it, everything that we grow, yes. coming up on it again, going to be great. But a lot of it 
you're just eating whole foods. Like it's literally just your vegetables. So I've seen a lot of people this year, like growing seeds into the plant that they're going to like then put out into the garden. We usually just plant the seeds and it works well for us, but like start small. You can grow stuff inside. You can grow like a tomato plant on the (laughs) patio of your apartment. Yes. Um, Or you can put one plant outside, like do a raised planter box and do like strawberries. Um, Something that you can grow that you can just say, hey, like I created this. And then um, if you're lucky and you have a surplus, you can can that or you can blanch it and just have it for later. So um, just a really great option for like just providing for yourself. I think this is a big one for us. So um, I like the idea of being able to provide my own food. Yes. And it's easy access. Yeah, absolutely. You just walk outside, which is even more convenient than a grocery store, especially if you don't live near a grocery store. So yeah, it's (laughs) very nice in the summer just to have access to like vegetables and green leafy things. So it's the best. Um, I don't know much about this next topic. I mean, I do a little bit, but like we don't hunt. I don't anymore just because like convenience and I don't make time for it. So take it away. Talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like this one is just because it is a passion of Travis's. He absolutely loves hunting. So I have been forced to get on board. Um, I don't feel like one way about it or another, but I think it's a great hobby for him to be outside with. So sounds great. So what it leads to for us is then like having meat that comes from just other sources. So uh, we have a ton of beef um, in our freezers, but the deer meat, like just turning it into jerky, turning it into other like sources of, of meat and cuts has been awesome for us just because it gives us a variety of different meats. Um, my husband says he's providing for our family which most of the time he's not coming back with anything. So we'll just ignore that. But um, (laughs) it's the idea of it, the idea that if like need be, we could survive. It's just a skill. Um, So yeah, he has hunted like deer, elk, other animals. And so that has been interesting. Just like try to figure out different ways to eat those. Yes. I love um, like pheasant and duck, like, I have an uncle that does a lot of it and oh, when he brings it to holidays, it's the best. (laughs) Yeah. My dad is super into it too. Like more so like pheasant and quail. And then Travis is really into like goose and duck and um, then like big game, like elk and deer. So lots of options. It's just really cool to like see all of that. And again, like have it be part of what we do. Yes. Um. So do you have anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I'm kind of going to go into my tangent on kind of what we've been doing lately. Yeah, go for it. I feel like we talked about a lot of topics. And like I said, um, and I would repeat, is that do what's best for your family. Don't do it all at once. Um, I just told you the sourdough thing is brand new for me. So like learn a new skill, um, but don't be like feeling like you need to change everything in your life. Um, Just start small. Yes. So kind of to tie all of this together. So I have here for the last little while been really researching and trying to slowly implement. Um, I don't want to call it a diet, but it's a way of eating. And so some of you may have heard of the pro metabolic diet. So it really highlights like 
whole nourishing foods to your body. So red meat, raw dairy, sourdough bread, lots of fruit. So like kids have an intuition to that they like fruit, that they want to eat fruit. Well, let's be honest. They know a lot. Like they're smart. They know. And so um, anyway, so then um, fruit is good. Root vegetables are extremely, extremely good. Um, Potatoes, just kind of all those types of things. That's really what they focus on. And then kind of the idea of it. You need to make sure that you're getting enough of your protein. Mm -hmm. So that's really high. Um, I don't want to say really high, but larger amounts of protein than what you normally in a diet would think. Um, but they want you to balance it. So you get your protein, your healthy fats and your carbs because carbs you use as energy. So Mm -hmm. you balance that, you get enough calories. So someone my age would ideally probably eat like 2,200 calories a day. It's crazy. And it's a crazy concept to think of. So you eat every two to three hours because you need to nourish your body. So pretty much it's a way to just balance your health, your hormones, you feel nourished, you're taken care of. And more or less, like we've mentioned, it's not a new concept. It's going back to what our ancestors, our grandparents, great grandparents did. So that's been the new little thing that I've been trying to implement and it's been slow. It's not like an overnight thing. So, yeah, I know that's fascinating. I hadn't heard of like that specific, um, like diet or like living that nutritionally out, but I feel like that's something that a lot of like health people that I follow and like read about are mentioning is just like our lack of protein in our diet and the amount of protein that we're actually supposed to be consuming. It's like close to your own body weight in protein every day in grams. So no one is doing that without like being aware of it. You're not just like consuming that much protein unless you're extremely intentional about it. So it's just something to be aware of. Um, We talked a lot about like different um, things today, but many of them are good sources of protein. So that would be a good way to like start building that into your diet, whether that's eggs or beef or hunting um, different meat sources, um, just trying to make sure that you're working that into your life. Yes. Well, with that, should we wrap it up with our day-to-day advice? Yeah, we had a lot of info, so we did. Here's, here's a little light note. So if you're into the gardening this year, I know we've mentioned them, but those like mats that you can either like burn a hole in or now I don't know if they always have they come with holes already like pre-made in them that you roll over your garden and you plant your plants inside of them and it helps weed control so yeah yeah that's my go get yourself one because I'm gonna get one this year because I don't make enough time to weed my garden (laughs) I will probably we'll see my mother-in-law is like just she works magic so she'll figure yeah. it out but I feel like for anything that we do we like put these mats down like landscaping anything yeah <laughs> I know a lot of people so. that do that so Absolutely. anyway well 
I know this was a very brief overview of kind of these things, but like these have been on our heart and close to us and things that we enjoy kind of starting and doing and keep us up to date. If you try any of this, let us know. Send me your sourdough starters. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Please subscribe to our podcast, The Good Life Farm Wives. For more of our day-to-day activities on and off the farm, follow us on Instagram. And let us know if you like our podcast by screenshotting this episode, sharing it to your stories, and don't forget to tag us. Or you can leave us a review. Bye, everyone.